Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. And welcome to episode 86 of the Creative Writers Toolbelt. Regular subscribers will know that I have been promising all kinds of episodes in the near future, including an inside view of a publishing house and two episodes with expert opinion on how to write the romance scene and the action scene. Now I can tell you that the next episode will be that inside view of the publishing house and will comprise four interviews with staff from the iconic publisher Galantz. Now many of you will know Galantz as an imprint of prominent authors like Brandon Sanderson, Ben Aranovich and Al Reynolds as well as classic books from people who are no longer with us Arthur C. Clarke, Philip K. Dick and the late Terry Pratchett. Now these interviews are opinion direct from editorial, marketing and publicity professionals as well as insight from the top in the form of a conversation with Galantz's publishing director Gillian Redfern. Conversations will cover issues that apply to writers from all genres, from tips on submissions to what a publisher wants from their authors, and from the importance of voice through to mistakes aspiring authors make in their manuscripts and how to avoid them. And for those interested in submitting directly to Galantz through their open submission program, there'll be news on what their plans are for that in 2017. Now that episode should be out next week. That'll be around the 21st or 22nd of December 2016. And just after Christmas, I'll release an episode where I'll be reviewing the three or maybe four books that have been my favourites for 2016. Now I'm not trying to present these as better than any other titles. I'm not trying to say they're the best things I've read during the year. I'm just saying they're my favourite books of the year. And also in that episode, there'll be news about a listener's survey that I'm conducting. There'll be a prize draw for that survey. And I'll be really grateful if you can find the time to answer a few questions. Looking further ahead, I have just recorded material that will become two episodes on how to write a romance scene and how to write an action scene, and they should be available in mid-January and early February. So coming back to this episode, I'm continuing my look at different types of scene, and today I'm tackling a type of scene that is loved by us authors, but seems to be not so popular with editors sometimes, and that is the flashback. Now there's a lot of opinion out there on the flashback and a fair bit of it is negative. So in this episode, we're gonna explore the flashback scene through these questions. First of all, what is a flashback? Secondly, what examples can we look at of how it works? And thirdly, what's good and what's bad about flashbacks? And given all of that, finally, how should we use them? So let's start with what is a flashback? Now the Oxford English Dictionary defines the flashback as a scene in a film, novel, etc. set in a time earlier than the main story. And the Merriam-Webster definition is this, a flashback is an interruption of chronological sequence, as in a film or literary work, by interjection of events of earlier occurrence. So simply put, a flashback is a description of something that happened before the events you're currently describing in your story. Now, before we think about why we might want to use a flashback, let's have a look at some examples, mainly from literature, but also I've got one from film. And I'm indebted to the website literarydevices.com for inspiration for these examples. First, let's look at the opening lines of F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel, The Great Gatsby. This contains a brief flashback as the narrator considers his current circumstances and the advice he received from his father as he was growing up. Here's how the novel begins. In my younger and more vulnerable years, my father gave me some advice that I've been turning over in my mind ever since. Whenever you feel like criticising anyone, 
he told me. Just remember that all people in this world haven't had the advantages that you've had. This flashback is brief and also includes an element of foreshadowing. Now, foreshadowing is a literary device that gives clues about some of the themes that will emerge in the story later on. And you can find out more about foreshadowing in episode 28 of the podcast. In this example, the themes are things like money and class and privilege and perhaps also alienation. So if it's necessary to have some element of foreshadowing in your work, a flashback is one way and a good way to deliver it. Our second example comes from the wonderful Harry Potter series. In that series, J.K. Rowling has to find a way to give us an insight into some events from before Harry's birth and others that happen out of chronological sequence. To do this, she uses the magical device of the Pensieve, a means by which one wizard can view the thoughts and experiences of another. In this scene, Harry witnesses a conversation between Snape and Dumbledore, and in the process Harry realises that Snape has the same Patronus, a kind of animated animal familiar, as his mother. This tells Harry that, while Snape might never really come to care very much for Harry, he was always in love with Harry's mother Lily. Here's a few words from that scene. But this is touching, Severus, said Dumbledore seriously. Have you grown to care for the boy, after all? For him, shouted Snape. Expecto Patronum. From the tip of his wand burst a silver doe. She landed on the office floor, bounded once across the office and soared out of the window. Dumbledore watched her fly away and as her silvery glow faded, he turned back to Snape and his eyes were full of tears. After all this time? Always, said Snape. Now this is one of many examples of flashback from J.K. Rowling's final book, in the seven-part Harry Potter series. When Harry views this memory of Snape's, he comes to understand a vital piece of information about his own history and the backstory for the books, because it's Snape's love for Harry's mother, Lily, that drives a lot of the whole series. Here's our third example. Now, some flashbacks, rather than just being a snippet of history, form the majority of a story. So, for example, in Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, the majority of the book is, in fact, a flashback from one of the characters, Charles Marlowe, as he tells his colleagues the story of his experiences travelling by boat in Africa. The story's narrator describes the start of this flashback thus. We looked on, waiting patiently. There was nothing else to do till the end of the flood, but it was only after a long silence when he said in a hesitating voice, I suppose you fellows remember I did once turn freshwater sailor for a bit, that we knew we were fated before the ebb began to run to hear about one of Marlowe's inconclusive experiences. And so from there the story starts. Our final example comes from both film and literature. In J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, in the Council of Elrond, there is reference to the fateful moment when the ancient king, Isildur, fails to destroy the One Ring forged by Sauron. The king is beguiled by the ring, and it's soon lost when he is betrayed and killed. In Peter Jackson's treatment of the book, we see Isildur cut off the fingers of Sauron, thereby acquiring the ring. The elf Elrond urges Isildur to destroy the ring, but its power overcomes him and leads to his doom. Now, most of you will have seen the films, but if you want a reminder and a good example of how flashback can work in cinema, just look up The Fate of the Ring on YouTube and then check out LOTR, The Fellowship of the Ring, The Fate of the Ring, when you get there. 
this little flashback tells us why the battle for the ring is being fought all over again. And it also explains why Elrond has such a low view of humans. So we have a number of flashback examples, and in these cases, they all have a reason to be there. Now let's have a look at what's good and bad about flashbacks, where they work well and where they can go wrong. These ideas draw their inspiration in part from the following websites. Randy Ingermanson's Advanced Fiction Writing website, David Trottier's KeepWriting.com and Nancy Cress's WritingInWritersDigest.com. Let's have a look at what's good about flashbacks first. Number one, flashback is usually in immediate scene. That means it's happening without summary and it's usually momentous or eventful or both. The flashback should be fascinating and compelling. It should be so because it's explaining and giving context to the main work, revealing something to the reader. But also it can be compelling because it's full of dramatic action just in itself, as we see in that Lord of the Rings example. Second thing, good flashback moves a story forward. It doesn't just explain something, it moves the reader on, reveals something and in the process drives the main plot. We see this in that Harry Potter example I gave you. Third thing, flashback can reveal character motives in a very satisfying way, as we saw in the Lord of the Rings example with Elrond. And also, to a certain extent, with the Great Gatsby example, with the narrator contextualising his own worldview through the advice of his father. Point four, a good flashback provides a piece of crucial information at the right moment. And that's better actually if it's late in the story, as is the case with the Harry Potter example that we cited. Okay, so now let's look at some of the potential pitfalls with the flashback scene. First, flashback takes the reader away from the main story. And in that sense, it stops the story from progressing. And that is really setting a dangerous precedent. Secondly, the flashback is by definition already over. There can be no dramatic tension about the outcome, even if there's drama in the process. To have that kind of dramatic tension, the flashback has to become the story itself, as was the case in the Joseph Conrad example. Third, flashback takes some of the power out of the engine. It reveals things which might have been compelling the reader to carry on. So don't use flashback to resolve the main tension of your story. Use it rather to reveal something which pushes the story forward. Fourth thing, too many flashbacks or flashbacks that are too long can confuse and distract the reader. And finally, flashbacks that don't seem to actually reveal anything important will also confuse and distract the reader and might stop them from reading your story. So how should we use flashbacks? Well, here are some brief guidelines and conclusions that I've come to about using flashbacks. First, place your flashbacks carefully within the story. Ideally, bring them towards the end. Secondly, create a specific impetus to introduce the flashback. By this, I mean there should be something in the main story that takes us in a natural way into the flashback. By this, I mean that there should be something in the main story that segues us into the flashback. And that should seem like a perfectly natural development. Thirdly, after your flashback, create a connection back to the story. The excerpts from The Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter and The Great Gatsby are all great examples of how to do this. Fourthly, unless your flashback literally is the story itself, as in The Heart of Darkness example, keep them brief. Number five, use your flashback to keep the story moving, not just to solve a problem or to answer a question. The flashback is not your main resolution and it shouldn't be the place to bring things to a halt. Rather, it should be the place to push things on. Point six, finally, if possible, build 
on the natural dramatic potential and immediacy of your flashback. So it should have some potency just in itself as you reveal something, but also put it into immediate scene or use a change of tense to demarcate and energize your flashback. So that's it for this episode. I hope this has been useful to you. Today I have quoted from or referred to the following online sources. The Oxford English Dictionary at oed.com, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary at merriam-webster.com, the literature site literarydevices.com. I've also referred to Randy Ingermanson's advancedfictionwriting.com website, David Trottier in keepwriting.com, Nancy Cress in writersdigest.com, Rob Grindstaff at robgrindstaff.com, Diane O'Connell in writingtosellyourbook.com. I've also referred to the following novels and films. The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald, published by Wordsworth Classics. The Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad, also published by Wordsworth Classics. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows by J.K. Rowling, published by Bloomsbury. And Peter Jackson's cinematic treatment of The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, which I have referenced via YouTube. So that's it for this episode. I'll be back soon with an episode featuring a selection of interviews from the staff at the publisher Galantz. But until then, thank you for listening and goodbye. (laughs) 